Hi, I'm John Narrell, and welcome to the Mid-Career GPS Podcast. If you're feeling stuck in your career and overwhelmed by what steps to take, I can help you. As an executive and career transition coach, I help my clients prepare, position, and promote who they are and what they do to show up and find a job they love or love the job they have. It's time to start building your mid-career GPS. So let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I am so glad you're going to spend some time with me and my guest today because I know you're going to get some great things out of our conversation. If you've been listening for a while or you're new, let's just acknowledge that we can learn a lot from listening to other people and how they tell their story. As I've said before, we are all interesting But if we can get someone interested in who we are and what we do, great things happen for us personally and professionally. And my guest today is no exception. Dan Nessel is a 20-year marketing professional, leader, communicator, creative, storyteller, and dot connector who currently works as the leader for communications and corporate responsibility for Lixel Americas, who makes pioneering water and housing products that solve everyday real-life challenges to make better homes a reality for everyone. Dan is the founder and creative coach of Zone 3 Partners, LLC, where he helps professionals get unstuck and get started on their creative journey. He strongly believes that our journeys take us through three zones of personal development to find our creative purpose. And on his popular podcast, The Dan Nessel Show, Dan lets his curiosity and creativity take over to bring you observations and cool conversations about interesting stuff. Dan, welcome to the podcast. Hey, John. It's good to see you again. It's good to see you too, my friend. How you been? I've been good. You know, it's been, uh, it hasn't been that long since we spoke, actually. No. Um, but, you know, I feel like even in a short amount of time, the world spins, things change quickly. Uh, you know, in fact, I believe that since, since we talked, uh, I began my role at, at Lixel. So there's, you know, there's a lot of, a lot, there's always a career move happening. There's always, uh, opportunities going on and I'm happy to be here to, to kind of ground myself again with, with, a with somebody I known and somebody I, I, I respect glad to be here. Well, same. And I will I will link this up in the show notes, but you and I had a conversation on your podcast that got released back in April. And to your mm-hmm. point, it is so right how much the world has changed and our, our, our lives have kind of witnessing things kind of opening up a little bit more and dealing with all of the changes as we quote unquote, get back to whatever this next normal is going to be. So it's certainly yeah, no an doubt. interesting time. So as, yeah, as I think always, talked- it's great to talk to you. Exactly, man. When we talked, I was, I remember prefacing almost every episode with saying things like, well, you know, we're still in the middle of this pandemic. And uh, by the time this airs, this, you know, hopefully will be out, hopefully will be out. Well, I'm really glad to say it looks like we're pretty much getting out now. And, um, and I mean, we're, we're feeling open, we're feeling free. And, and um, actually, this is the first recording I've, uh, I'm doing since the mask mandates have been lifted and since we're out there. So, you know, I don't know, there's a whole, 
a whole lightness of being and, and lightness to my shoulders that I, that I think um, I hope is going to come through as we talk today. I, I absolutely. It is, it is a, a good time in this ever changing and ever crazy year and spot that we're living in, but it's, it's good. We get some time today. So, so Dan, as we get started and you get mm-hmm. to tell your story with us today, I'm, I'm always curious, what did you want to be growing up? Ah, oh, geez. You know, I, I knew this was coming on talking about the a career GPS and a big career GPS and our, you know, um, the the choices that you make in your life to bring you to where you are. I, I didn't really uh, imagine that I would be brought back that far to my childhood, but thanks for that, John. No, I think that um, like a lot of like a lot of little boys, I, I wanted to be a cowboy probably initially when I to grow, when I when I grew up. I even I even started. Um, started to, uh, to, to, to ride horses. In fact, on a recent podcast, I was talking about that with a guest and, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I think ultimately after a couple of summers of, of horseback riding kind of dawned on me that there was no way I was ever going to be a cowboy. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I, I, I really did enjoy horses, but you know, by the time you're 10 or 11 years old, you start to kind of understand that, well, I'm much better at reading and writing than I am at riding. So, um, <laughs> So then I shifted and and I started to think, well, you know what? I really want to be a research scientist. Mm-hmm. I was I put on the white lab coat for Halloween a couple of times. I thought a research scientist, whatever that is, was the way to go. And uh, you know, ultimately though, I didn't really love math. So that kind of left me with this whole idea of, well, I like to read and I like to write. Um, I'm gonna have to do something that's gonna use words. And uh that's kind of the direction that ultimately in the long run, I suppose, in retrospect, led me into marketing and communications. And now, of course, I find that I have to do math all the time. So there's, you know, things, co- things come around. Uh, as well, as, as a former math teacher, what did math do to you? <laughs> you know, Matt, you know, the funny thing is that math didn't do anything to me. I, and, and when you look back at life, you think about those moments where, okay, you decide I'm not good at something, but most of the time it's, it's nonsense. Most of the time it is as, you know, as our good old friend, Carol Dweck would say, it's, it's a mindset issue, right? Mm-hmm. So kids who think, or when I thought that, you know what, I'm not that great at math. I had no real reason to believe I wasn't great at math. Um, I was an excellent math student through high school, but some reason it became uncool or I didn't, you know, I just decided that I, I wanted to, 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 to write or read more. And then that somehow translated into, well, if I am good with words, then I must be bad with numbers. And eventually I, you know, I think those, those paths diverged pretty far by the time I was in my early twenties, I just had myself convinced that I wasn't mathematically inclined. I found out about 20 years later that it's not necessarily true. I mean, now I, I I try to use both sides of my brain and, and, um, not that, not that I have an issue with math, but I love analytics and I love looking at numbers and, and trends and, uh, and, uh, and visualizations and trying to match that up and help, help my, help my, help inform the decisions that I make for communications and for marketing. So, um, you know, yeah. it's one of those things where if somebody would have stood on my, stood behind me and said, no, 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 you are actually good at math. Things might've been a little different. Right. And math in a lot of ways, especially in, in the roles that you have, and we'll get into talking about this a little bit more, but it, it does, it's part of how we tell a story. 
Yeah. Right. It, it, it gives us data and it informs decisions and things like that. And as I've gotten to know you and listen to more of your podcast and, and everything and follow you, the, the creative side for you comes out in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. It, it really is uh, what I kind of gotten to know you as it's that it's that part of not just what you do, but really who you are. Yeah. And, and so when you think about yourself as a mid-career professional with a, a, a vast amount of experience, why is being creative important to you being unique? Well, I've, it's a great question. And I've come to this point in my life where I really believe that creativity is part of all of us. So like creativity runs through you, runs through me. It's like, it's, it is, it is our imperative while we are here on this earth to create something. And, you know, whether you feel like a creative person or not, your, your role in life is to create something, right? You're creating, you know, you're creating a a book, you're creating a, an idea you are, you know, you're, you are, sometimes you're creating people, but that you are actually putting something, there's something there that wasn't there before uh, because of something that you've done. So, you know, we, we all, we all need to create. Now, as in, in my case, I had a lot of just kind of trouble figuring out what that was. Like, what am I supposed to be creating? And because, because I felt that I needed to have a legacy. I wanted to have a legacy. I had children, I have children and, and I want you know, I, I want to leave this place better than I, the better than I came in. Um, so I really focused a lot on creativity. I focused on, you know, why we need to be creative. And I don't, you know, I, I don't like to think of creativity in terms of creativity, right? You don't define a word using the word. So how could I make things or how could I, how could I put something out there into, you know, into the, into the world that was adding something that wasn't just kind of gratuitous. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's how sort of I came around to, uh, to the idea that curiosity and, um, and imagination combined is, it, are, are things that we should cherish and, and, you know, develop. And that eventually blooms into creativity. And that creativity comes comes in while you are, you know, in your in your day to day life, hopefully, but in your work. Now, remind me again. You asked me how it how that gets me to be unique, or how that, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I think just by virtue of being creative, you are unique. That's the whole point of creativity. It is it is what it is. It is the prime differentiator, because something that you make is just by definition something that nobody else on earth is going to make the same way. If I write one sentence, if I write a sentence and you write a sentence, you know, maybe the, the even if we copy the same exact words, the handwriting's going to be different. Exactly. Right? There's going to be something unique about that. I mean, hopefully we wouldn't be copying the same thing. But, you know, when you create something from your own brain, uh, it's going to be unique. So through my life, through my career, through the things that I've done, um, you know, I didn't always feel this way, but now you look back and I say, you know something, this is mine. Mm-hmm. And that's all culminated in my podcast, um, because you know, frankly, I, I, I just 
I wanted to find an outlet for my creativity. And I wasn't disciplined enough at the time to write a book. Uh, I did, or at least that's the way, that's why I convinced myself that I wasn't disciplined enough to write a book. I knew that though I wanted to talk and, you know, talking with the right people in a directed way, hmm, that could, that could add value. And then that could bring value to me. It could bring value to my friends, to, to the people who are listening, but also to my work. So I went in that direction. And, absolutely. And I, I listen to you and, and what comes for me as I equate and connect all of this is that th- that is not only a gift of yours, it is also your genius. It, it is that that piece, what you get to do a little differently than everybody else and putting that value out in the world. And and to add on to that, though, Dan, there's also this piece where you stand very strong in your value. Not that you probably don't have days maybe where you're questioning or your confidence might be a little bit lower than other days or whatever. But at the end of it all, sure, you strike me as somebody who is really um, assured and confident in, in the value you get to create each and every day. It's, 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 um, but first of all, I'm really pleased that you said that because it took me a long time to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always feel like we're still on that journey that I want to be confident. I want to pr- provide value, but I also want to stand on my own, uh, on my own merit. And, you know, for the longest time, I, you know, succumbed, I would say to a lot of belief systems, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're inculcated to believe one thing or another. And, you know, somebody called it your own BS, right? I mean, it's <laughs> that, that belief system, limiting beliefs, the things that get in your way, um, where, you know, you're told, oh, you know, uh, you're not that great at math, for example, or, um, or, uh, you know, one of the big ones was, you know, Dan, you're, you're just, you're just a deferential kind of guy, you know? And, you know, I realized somebody was trying to give me positive feedback, but told me I was deferential. So I, I internalized that and I became even more deferential because of that. And in certain situations and environments, like in a business, in a business meeting, for example, or when you're trying to, you know, interact with, um, with executives, you know, deference is good to a point, but there's a point at which you have to say your opinion or you have to, you know, you have to put yourself out there. And being too deferential, you know, comes off like you're hiding something, right? You know, if you're not going to, pre- if you're not going to present your opinion, so you know, there there are extremes. So I felt I felt I spent a long time, I think, coming to terms with this, and understanding that um, the only thing that's that's preventing me from from expressing myself more more confidently is my own self, is my head. It's something that's in here. It's, you know, somebody told me I was deferential, so I must be deferential. Very, I was very susceptible to the, well, what if I decided that, you know what, I'm not going to be deferential today. What if today, not going to be deferential. Today, I'm going to be opposite George, right? I'm going to do the opposite of what my instinct is telling me. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to express my opinion to me. I'm going to try it twice. And, um, you know, that's, Starting that way, I, I eventually came built myself, I think, back up to a point where, you know what? I I can do this. I have something to say. I have value to bring. And 
shoot, I don't care if you're a CEO. Um, I have something important to tell you, you know? And um, once I kind of got around that, then yeah, I think that confidence kind of followed. Um, but it took a long time, John. It was it was yeah. was not an easy an easy battle. Let's let's put it that way. Oh, a- a- absolutely. It's it's one of the it's one of the lessons if we are able to learn it. By the time we get to a point in our mid career journey, whether we're at the beginning, middle, or end stage of of mid career, however you want to be at, if we get to learn those kind of lessons. Mm-hmm we have the potential and the capacity and also the agency to start making some bolder moves in our, in our career and in our life because of that competence and the confidence we have. Your career story, Dan, is really interesting, <laughs> right? Um, I'm wondering if you could just, um, at a very quick and kind of high level, walk the listeners through all of the titles you have held job wise sure since you graduated college let's say all right uh i'll try it quick is not my forte but i will get there um i started off as an assistant language language teacher for the uh for the mia prefectural board of education in in oase japan so that's that got me to japan there's a japan thing theme that's coming on here after that so after I was the ALT, the assistant language teacher, I became a program coordinator uh, or a bilingual coordinator, depending on who you were talking to, for a, an educational company in, to- in, in the Tokyo area. I went from there to being, I believe, uh, now we're, we're, we're reaching back, I think it was a, 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 um, well, a consultant. So I was a, I was a recruiter and a consultant for a recruitment firm, uh, moved along to become a consulting manager um, for a for an online recruitment firm, online recruitment agency. Oh, sorry. Online recruitment company, like a, like Japan's monster.com is what they told me. It it, it wasn't thus, but it was, it was close. Uh, Then I went in-house to a, to a major consulting company and I became a staff assignment manager, right? Which is taking that recruitment stuff and moving it sort of internally facing and putting consultants on projects for, uh, for a major company. I think it was, it was at PwC at the time. After that, I quit the corporate life and started my own company and became a founder and copywriter. And, but my business cards just said copywriter. Mm-hmm. So I went around with the title copywriter. But sometimes I had more cards being, and then I had other cards printed said I was an editor. So as a copywriter, as an editor, as a founder, depending on what day of the week I was, but I was an entrepreneur at the time, I had my own company. Uh, after that, I, I was pretty much bought by one of my clients and became a PR and marketing manager um, for, uh, for, uh, for the region that I was in for Japan first. And then for that, I became the, the PR and mar- marketing and PR manager. It went marketing first, PR second. Marketing PR manager for um, Japan, Australia, New Zealand. Then I came back to this. This is a long journey, man. I came back to the States. I became a senior manager of communications for a uh, for a, a membership uh, for a membership organization called the American Institute of CPAs, I'm not a CPA by the way, um, but uh, for some reason I, I had an as I mentioned earlier I'm not, I wasn't great with numbers but here I am talking with my whole life is dealing with people who, who are accountants at this point. Um, after being a senior manager of uh, senior manager of communications, I uh, moved to um, a major PR firm 
And immediately my title just went through the stratosphere as vice president of uh, corporate and public uh, corporate affairs, uh, vice president of corporate and public affairs, right? Mm. Now, I didn't know before I took this role that there are thousands of vice presidents in a PR agency. This is an agency title. It's not an executive role, uh, but it is. it indicates a certain level of experience, but there's hundreds of VPs. Um, when you get to senior vice president and executive vice president, that's when the stuff really starts to, that's when you really start to be, a, you know, kind of a, a big shot um, in a lot of firms. But after that, I, um, I, I left the agency and went back in-house, became a director of, of marketing communications for North America. So for a re- I became a regional director, which was a t- title-wise didn't sound like a promotion, but it was a massive promotion. Um, that eventually became VP of of marketing and communications um, for uh, for that same company for the for, for North America, and now I am the leader of communications and corporate responsibility uh, for the Americas for a different company um, now. And um, you know, essentially, it's a it's a much it's a bigger role. Funnily enough, the title isn't uh, would would look like it's not similar to VP or anything like that. But uh, my company, which is Lixel, has done uh, an amazing thing where they eliminated mostly most job titles and mm-hmm. you're either everybody's leader. And if you are a certain, if you're above a certain level, if you're managing people, you are a leader. So nice. managers and above, we're all leaders. Hmm. Um, but I am the, uh, I'm the leader of communications and market of, of in communications and public and um, corporate responsibility, but I'm, I am the head of the department here in the, in the Americas. So I report directly into the, into the American leader. Nice. Yeah. And with all that experience, which is which is fantastic, right? You you walked us through all of these different things that you've done by memory. I must add, absolutely right. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I can attest to all the listeners. He was not looking at notes, and if he was, I didn't catch it. Um, what's been the biggest lesson learned for you about changing careers or changing jobs? So the grass is never greener. I'd say is one of the, th- there's a lot of lessons, John, and, and it's, it's hard for me to narrow it down, but I will say the, the grass is never greener. And, and the times where I have made a jump for a better title or, you know, or, you know, for maybe a little bit extra money or for some reason why I thought that maybe I was miserable where I was. And I thought that, okay, I just met a cool person who's working there. So that place is going to be better. Um, it's not always the case that the grass is greener. So mm-hmm. that's that's one one of the lessons. Um, and the other one I would say is is, is chasing titles um, is is an empty um, effort. It doesn't generally doesn't doesn't mean anything. So at least in my career, it doesn't. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. But there's I mean there's, there's really tons good. of yeah that's, I mean there's tons of things though yeah. The, the, the main thing is that, you know, you can get caught up in hype, but maybe it, it maybe it's better. Like we were talking about on when we talked earlier about those uh, mid-career moments, right? Where you're just like, your hair's on fire and you don't know what the hell's going on in your job. Yeah. And you know, just know something needs to change. And there are times where, you know, many times this happened. You've, you've you heard the number of titles I had. I mean, I had those career moments a dozen times in my life, you know? Um, and 
earlier on, and in, in fact, a few times, I think that I decided to change jobs, maybe for not the best reason. So, you know, one of the one of the lessons learned is breathe a little bit, have some patience, and really evaluate where you're at to see if it's to see if this like moment that you're having is repairable. Where it's coming from, is it from is it is it something that's internally driven? Is it something external? Is it, you know, is there truly an evil manager that there's nothing you can do? You just got to get the hell out of Dodge, right? Or is it because you know you're depressed and you don't want to come into work and you know that's that's that poison is emanating from you? So and it's hard to see that uh, without the benefit of retro of um of hindsight sometimes, but. Yeah, those are the main things. That's it's so good and thank you for sharing all those things because what what we know from people we've spoken to or we've worked with or even in our own journeys as we've tried to navigate from one position to the next to your point is that there always is some kind of influencer that's driving our decision to go find something else. Mm-hmm. Right? That moment when you start searching for jobs online is usually some kind of indicator that you're unhappy for some reason and you're thinking, okay, it's time for me to go ahead and, and at least entertain the idea about, you know, what if somebody's going to value me more or what if someone's going to utilize my skill set a little bit differently? And at the end of the day, it's all our own decisions as to why we leave. We can adopt a mindset to simply say, I'm going to make the best decision for myself at this time. And if this doesn't work out, I can pivot, I can navigate, I can stretch, I can go somewhere else. That everything for the most part is pretty much figure outable or solvable. There's a, a great book. I, don't, I forget who it is, Dan. I don't know if it's Jen Sincero or somebody else, but the title of it is Everything is Figure Outable. Oh, I've heard of that book. Yeah, I don't know. The, I don't know. The I, it's it's on my summer reading list. I've gotta I've gotta make sure I get to that. Um, but your your point about like we chase the title, right? And chasing the title, like you walked us through so beautifully about how you know the title at your the VP firm was didn't have the kind of luster or prestige as it might have in another organization and such. And so sometimes we do, we chase the title because we think it's going to validate us a little bit more. Um, In leading up to our conversation today, I had asked you a question and your, your response was you cannot expect your career to make you happy. And I I know there are a lot of people who are catching this episode and they are unhappy and they might be thinking the new job is going to solve all of the problems for them. Mm -hmm. So can you let us in a little bit and tell us what you meant when you said you can't expect your career to make you happy? Yeah, um, sure. It's It's like those moments in your life where you... Maybe you're, I don't know if you're this type of person, but you are just kind of wondering what, what, what I'm, what something needs to change. I need to change something. Um, what's got a, something's not right. I think I'll go out and get a new pair of pants, right? I think I'll buy a new suit right? or, you know, maybe I need a new, new bicycle, what something, something new. 
there's this whole idea that there's this new, something new is going to solve your problem. Something new is not going to solve your problem. Something new is just going to make you feel a little bit better about something you're looking at for 30 seconds. And then you're just gonna be like, you know, I'm still the same guy wrapped in the same pair of pants, or I, you know, I'm, I still have the same legs riding this bike. It's there's nothing has changed except I've decided on putting down, losing, wasting money on an externality that doesn't have anything to do with it. So those are things, things can't make you happy. The only thing that can make you happy, the only thing that where you can der derive happiness is from within. And it sounds hokey, uh, but it's true. There's, you, you need to have your mind in the right place in order to achieve or acquire or obtain joy. And, you know, I've learned this a time and time again, um, and certainly understanding your purpose and getting to the point where you are, you're actually making choices in your life that are aligned with what you want and what you, what you know is the right thing from your value standpoint changes everything in, mm -hmm. in how pleased you are, how happy you are. Um, so, you know, you have to have, you have to have, um, this mindset that acknowledges that you have agency. You said it earlier, agency, agency. I, and I wrote that down. The agency is like the key word. It's all about choices. Mm -hmm. So the only thing that can make you happy is your own choices. And you have agency. You're not a puppet. You can decide what you're going to do. Maybe there are pressures and externalities that are going to influence your decision, but ultimately you do have a choice. And you know, it could be an easy choice or a hard choice, but that's the only way that you are going to be happy. It's not going to be because that job is not going to make you happy, but the way that you show up to work every day, the way that you interact with your colleagues, the way that you produce something or create something that you didn't have before, um, or the way that that job enables you to have the passions or to pursue the passions that matter to you outside of your job in your, in your other time, mm -hmm. you know, that's a great reason to like a job. Uh, and that's a great reason perhaps to, to be happy. So yeah, I mean, that's probably a long way of saying this, but saying, answering your question, but really you can't be happy. You know, nothing can make you happy. A career can't make you happy. A job can't make you happy. You have to, you have to make yourself happy is, is kind of the where the way it goes to, for me anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And with all of the things that are out there that bombard us and jockey for our attention to, to your point, it's that, um, that shiny object syndrome can sometimes oh. really hold us back from doing the, the hard work. Um, and, and doing the hard work as our, our friend, Tammy Guler Loeb, um, mm -hmm. talks about so much, right. About work from the inside out and her great podcast. She's amazing. Isn't she? Yeah. Big shout out to Tammy. Shout out Tammy. Absolutely. Hey, if you have not had chance to listen to Tammy's podcast called work from the inside out, you got to add that one to your list. That's another good, good career one as well. Great. Career, um, Dan, you do a lot of work, um, with people around this whole notion about getting unstuck. Mm -hmm. What keeps people stuck in their ways and holds them back from moving forward? It's really something that we talked about earlier, I think, 
when it comes down to these belief systems that you have. And the, those belief systems, those limiting beliefs, you can call them several other, many different things. Mm-hmm. Some yep. people just say blockers, whatever. <laughs> you know, they're, they're embedded in any number of ways in, in your way. Sometimes it's your own fault. Uh, sometimes it's just stuff you've learned and been taught by your parents or by, you know, by teachers or by friends reinforcing certain behaviors in your life that um, have resulted in you believing that you don't have what it takes to, to move forward. And the combination of that plus something that I think we've talked about a lot, not necessarily today, but we've talked about a lot is believing that you're not worthy of something, which is the good old imposter syndrome. Oh yeah. Right. Now, you know, people encounter these things, this whole, these limiting beliefs and the, the imposter syndrome at different times in different ways and often together. So if you are in this point where you just, you're stuck, I mean, the first thing is to examine, you know, why ask yourself and it's asking a lot of questions. So why am I not going to do X? And if X is a massive undertaking, why am I not going to write that book? Mm-hmm. Or why can't I start writing that? Why can't I write that book? Or why am I not moving to write that book? That's a big, big thing. Instead, start with what's right in front of you. Okay, why can't I write that first sentence? Why can't I write an outline? Why can't I think of a title? Why can't I have an idea? Whatever the first thing is. And then you make that first it's not, I mean, it really is not much to ask to write one sentence down, even if, even if you don't keep it. But it's a movement that shows that you can indeed make some progress. So take that to the next step and the next and the next. And you'll, you know, you'll take steps forward, you'll take steps back. But it's just a constant self-interrogation almost. Okay, well, why like am that. I not... Why am I not making this next move? Why am I not doing, or, or, you know, I am, and you know, sometimes you have to ask yourself as well, you know, am I stuck because I'm just chasing, chasing the wrong thing? So evaluating that, I mean, that's, I had this great show uh, with um, an amazing coach named um, David Taylor Klaus and David also known as DTK. David put me on the hot seat. He said, um, you know, he was asking me what I wanted to do. I said, yeah, I think I need to write a book. And he said, need to, Hmm. Hmm. Need to, or do you want to, do you get to, and that difference between need to and want to, or get to is night and day. Oh yeah. Right. So how do you get from need to want? If you, if you feel like I need to, I need to, you're giving yourself so much anxiety. You're not going to make that move, right? So there's a lot of points to address there, but I think that's, you know, f- to, to get unstuck, it's really about addressing that initial kind of, you know, let's make at least one small step. Let's, you know, how do you eat the elephant? One bite at a time. Let's get that one bite. What, what is that one bite? You know, so I love, to, uh, sorry yeah. to interrupt you. I, no, I fine, love, yeah. Uh, that whole need to get to and want to it's unbelievable. It's life changing. Yeah, and I, and I, 
I have a very dear coach who I have worked with who it, she is always saying, is it you? You, know, you get up in the morning, you get to go to work or you, you get to do this. Like I, I, I get to throw a bowling ball, right? I don't have to go throw a bowling ball and compete. I get to throw a bowling ball. And, and it's, it's such a perspective and a mindset shift in terms of how we shift our thinking to really move us forward. But let's also acknowledge that if we're going to go through and ask ourselves these questions, we have to really be prepared to ask ourselves the hard questions and sit with them and get uncomfortable in order to just get ourselves moving in that direction and start getting that momentum. Yeah. And, and it helps to have somebody to help to there. I mean, raise your hand, ask for help. That's why, that's why coaches are so important, you know, and I know you're a, you're a career coach. You, you work with people all the time. It's very difficult to work in a bubble. You need to, you know, yep. to, if, if you, you can, I mean, certainly people do it by themselves, but you know, don't be afraid to reach out to somebody and, and have those conversations who somebody can yeah. facilitate those conversations. And especially by the time we get to mid-career, we've acquired knowledge. We we not only like to think, but we we are smart in a lot of different ways. And so we think we can just take care of it. We can figure it out. I've done it before. I can do it again. But sometimes the playing field changes or you've had things happen where you've lost your way a little bit in terms of how you tell your story or you position yourself or you promote who you are and what you do. Yeah. And, and that's really one of the ways in which coaching can truly help you move forward in that way. Absolutely. So, yeah. And I, I, my life would not be as enjoyable as it is now, or I wouldn't, I don't think that I would feel the level of joy that I have in my, in my life now without the great people that have coached me along the way, you know, and it's, it's such a rewarding experience. Sometimes they were real coaches, like real kind of, okay, that's what they do for a living. That's they are, they are a professional coach. Sometimes they're just great managers or people you're friends with who really just ask you the right questions at the right time. Yeah. So Dan, as we start wrapping up here and, and thank you for this conversation today, we've, sure. we've covered so much, but what advice would you give someone listening to help them build their mid-career GPS as they're figuring out whatever's next for their career? I think I have this, this post-it, uh, post-it stuck up right behind my, my monitor mm-hmm. and it just says, what did you learn today? And that I think is the key to anything that you want to do in your life. And certainly in your career is to just keep learning, you know, read a lot. Um, and, you know, Hey, and you might say, oh, you might hear, oh, no, don't read novels. You know, just, you should read business books, read whatever you want to read. Yeah. Get, get, get some perspective, but just expand your brain and your mind. Listen to the people that you admire. I mean, just listen to uh, folks, whether it's podcasts, like, like John Narrell's podcast, Mid-Career GPS, or whether it's Tammy Guler Loeb's show, or hopefully my show, Dan Nelson's right. show. Dan whether Nessel's it's any, show, you know, absolutely. Or any number of things, any number of shows out there. There's, you know, the great thing about this, these past couple of years is the amount of 
information that's available for you to just stick in your ear and listen and learn has, you know, expanded. I don't know if it's algorithmically or geometrically or what the, what the is, but it's, it's, it's really expanded a lot. And, um, you know, you can keep, you can keep listening. And the other, the, the final thing that I would say is you have to make great connections, right? Mm. And I said, have to, but really you should, you should say, you know what, I'm going to go out today and I'm, I'm, I have a great chance. I get to make some great connections with great people. Networking is a, is a, is a word that's overused and sometimes, you know, misused and people take advantage of this, but connecting with people in a meaningful way, expanding your circle of influence and your circle of friends, as long as it's not for like gratuitous, uh, you know, gratuitous, um, it's, it's not for gratuitous reasons. You'll make, you'll make great connections. You'll make, you'll meet people who, you know, who are going to be your friends and your connections and you'll learn and new doors will open. So keep making connections. That's a lot, but yeah, I'd say that those are the things. Well, as a dot connector mm -hmm. and, and somebody who really does a phenomenal job at connecting people. Um, getting back to our math theme from earlier, I'm going to share a data point with you that you may not be aware of. Love it. You know, right? <clears throat> so before the podcast, I had chance to hop on your LinkedIn profile and look at a few things or whatever. And if you haven't, so anybody listening, if you haven't gotten the sense that Dan is a giver, you need to go back and listen to this whole episode. <laughs> Because <laughs> being a giver in terms of how you connect and you build relationships with people is foundational to what Dan Nessel does. And when you go look at his LinkedIn profile, you will see something on there that I have rarely seen in all of the people that I am connected with. You have given 38 recommendations to people in your network. Oh, sure. I love yeah. giving recommendations. Right? Yeah. And there is, to me, it is one of the nicest things when you know somebody well enough to vouch for the quality of their work and who they are that you take a few minutes and you write them a recommendation that will live on their LinkedIn profile as long as they choose to have it there. And to give 38 recommendations is a data point of how much you give that I think is really important for us to call out here because it is such a great way to keep your network engaged and appreciated, especially when you know people well enough to recommend them. Wow. I, I, I haven't been counting. It is, but I, that's a very, that is a great data point that I wasn't necessarily, I wasn't aware of. And Absolutely. I will always support people who I know uh, and who are legitimately good at what they do. Um, I just think it's the right thing to do. Um, and, you know, I'm a big believer in, in karma. So yes. I'm always happy to help others uh, mm -hmm. to, to, to succeed. Um, but yeah, definitely ask people for recommendations out there if you're out there. I mean, that lives on your LinkedIn profile. I, I don't know when the last recommendation I got was. Not that I'm fishing, but, right. uh, but, uh, it, I, you know, look, another part of that, John is, is as you get along in your career, you manage more and more people mm -hmm. and you, you have a personal stake in other people's success. At least I hope you do. 
if you're a manager and you don't feel like you have a personal stake in your in your team's success, you need to find a new role. Yes. Is is my feeling. Well um, just just I'll put that out there. Uh, but you know, some of the people that I've really loved writing recommendations for are people who I have either managed directly or have been on a team that I've led or have in some way or shape or form served uh, with me in some way. And, you know, I, I think all boats rise with tide, just, you know, support people mm-hmm. and, you know, go f- make sure that you, that you are behind, behind people's success and behind their growth. Well, I will tell you, I didn't read all 38 that you wrote, but the few that I did, (laughs) but the few (laughs) that I did, it's really true. You could definitely tell that you, you knew their work extremely well and were happy to write that for them. So it's it's a great, it's a great thing for anybody listening to, to go ahead and do. So Dan, I want to thank you for spending some time with us today. Please share with everybody what's next for you and where can they follow and connect with you and all that good stuff. Well, look, I mean, I am, you know, in a fantastic role and, you know, I get to go to work every day for a, um, for a fantastic company. Um, and I work with some, the global team of incredibly talented people. So for the time being, I think that that's where I'll be focusing most of my energies for during the day anyway, even sometimes at night, because it's a Japanese company. So I do occasionally have meetings with Japan in the evenings, in the mornings. What are clocks now these days, anyway, John? <laughs> time is just a is, is an illusion. Uh, but um, but you know, I I want to get I want to become a better communicator. I want to do uh, have you know have more um, influence in my industry. I want to give back to my industry eventually. You know, I figure I'm about halfway through my career, and you know maybe a little more than that. Uh, but I'm so excited about what's what's coming next in my own career. So so you know I'm excited about that, but. Um, otherwise my podcast, I think is the other thing that I'm really looking to develop. I, you know, I've, I've been at it now for just over a year. Um, as as of the time of this recording, I've, I'm probably around the same, like similar to you. I've gotten about, I'm at, I'm just over a year. I got about 50 something episodes in. I have some amazing guests, love having great conversations. I mean, John, we're here because of that. And because you're on my show, it's such a pleasure talking to you there. Um, so I want to develop that more, I'm going to develop that more. So I'd, I'd love for your listeners to check out the Dan Nessel show, wherever you can, wherever you look, wherever you listen to podcasts and, uh, just the Dan Nessel show. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. I have, um, as, you know, as John said, I've recommended 38 people. Perhaps you could be the 39th. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I'm, I'm happy to, to connect with people. If, if there's a reason and a rationale, I don't accept, you know, lead generation nonsense, but happy to uh, happy to connect with people for meaningful reasons um and then like all over social media ds nestle s is for steven so ds n-e-s-t-l-e pretty much most places that's my handle got in early in the game so, nice good for yeah. you good yeah. stuff well yeah and if anybody wants to reach out and connect with you on linkedin they can reference this podcast episode so you know Thanks. where it came from as well but Dan, I appreciate you. I, I love what you're putting out there in the world and respect you. And I'm so glad we connected and just keep up the great work. And I look forward to talking to you really soon, my friend. Thanks so much. This has been great, John. Thanks so much for having me. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed tonight's episode. And wherever you are in your journey, keep building your GPS one mile at a time. And remember how you show up matters. Make it a great day. 
If you enjoyed today's show and don't want to miss an episode, follow on Apple Podcasts or wherever you usually listen. And I'd appreciate it if you would leave a rating and review. Visit johnnarrell.com to download your free copy of the 55-Minute Career Transition Jumpstart to help you start building your mid-career GPS. And don't forget to connect with me on LinkedIn and follow me on social at John Narrell Coaching. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.